Welcome to Books for Good Trouble, a San Diego Public Library podcast. Today, we meet two educators that relate their personal stories to the award-winning literature of Valeria Luisella. Hey folks, Bob here. Just a quick word before we get started. The Books for Good Trouble podcast features provocative literature and connected stories of individuals, authors, and activists alike. It's a five-episode series that will share the listener's advisory feed over this second season. On today's episode, we hear from Rosy Angela Escamilla and America Martinez about their journeys as Americans and educators and how it relates to Valeria Luiselli's novel, The Lost Children Archive, and essay, Tell Me How It Ends. Valeria Luiselli is a Mexican author who's lived all over, including the United States. She's won a MacArthur Fellowship, the Dublin Award, and the Carnegie Medal, just to name a few. According to MacFound.org, she's a, quote, writer of fiction, essays, and inventive hybrids of the two who challenges conventional notions of authorship and explores the experience of dislocation as a common theme across her many projects. This episode is part one of two. The girl's grandmother prepared them for the trip, told them it would be a long journey, packed their backpacks, Bible, water bottle, nuts, one toy each, spare underwear. She made them matching dresses, and the day before they left, she sewed Manuela's telephone number on the collars of the dresses. Valeria Luceli, The Lost Children Archive. My name is Rosiangela Escamilla. I am a professor, associate professor in English um, at San Diego Mesa College. I also do teach in the Chicana Chicano uh, Studies Department. And I have uh, lived in San Diego almost all of my life since I was eight years old. I strive as much as uh, as possible to bring in um, the themes of social justice and in my classes. And so, you know, especially because I come from an activist uh, background. She had tried to get them to memorize the 10 digits, but the girls had not been able to. So she sewed the number on the colors of their dresses and over and over repeated a single instruction. They should never take their dresses off, never. And as soon as they reached America, as soon as they met the first American, be it a policeman or a normal person, they had to show the inside of the collar to him or her. That person would then dial the number, sew in the colors, and let them speak to their mother. The rest would follow. Valeria Luceli, The Lost Children Archive. Uh, I'm a child, um, you know, with, with a similar story. When I was eight years old, my mother had to get me to her to San Diego because she had left me with my grandmother in Nayarit, in a village in Nayarit, to, to raise me because she was a single mom. She just had turned uh, 16, so, so she was a child herself. Um, she, I was born in Tijuana. At the time, my mom uh, was working in the maquiladora industry. She was really young. She uh, obviously heard the news that on the other side of the border, of course, um, you know, there were more uh, higher wages to, to be earned. And so she decided to take me to my grandmother and then um, cross to work, find work in the U.S., and so my mom finally decided to just reunite with me, to bring me with her to San Diego. And I remember the very first time that I, that I had to cross with somebody else's birth certificate. And that other person was a little girl about my age. And I remember being uh, prepared by, by a couple. A couple were friends of, of my mother and they had uh, offered my mother to cross me in the San Isidro port of entry 
uh, pretending that, that I was your daughter. And so, and so I think uh, my innocence not, was not necessarily stripped, but I think that like I, I, I learned, you know, in, in a way that probably I didn't have the language to articulate it back then, but the violence of the border, right, you know, and, and what it does to, to families in terms of like separating them and the, and the kind of things that they have to do I think the part about sewing a telephone number on the color of their dresses, the sisters' dresses, I think, you know, reminds me a lot of the kind of maturity and the, the role playing, you know, I was forced to do as an eight-year-old girl, uh, actually tricking, you know, a Border Patrol officer. You know, I understood that that's what we were doing. And I think what borders and, and the violence of borders, right, you know, and the, the, the closures of borders, right, the impossibility of Native people, right, brown people in this continent, you know, being able to uh, travel and reunite with their loved ones being impossible with the militarization of the border. And then thinking about what I did, you know, what I had to do in the 80s and, you know, just how much harder, you know, I mean, I can't even fathom, like, you know, if I would be able to walk a desert by myself. I don't keep a journal. My journals are the things I underline in books. I would never lend a book to anyone after having read it. I underline too much, sometimes entire pages, sometimes with double underline. Valeria Luceli, The Lost Children Archive. I work with mainly working class uh, young people. I, I, I see a lot of myself every time uh, I see a new group. In fact, I always uh, share a lot of my personal history with them because a lot of the writing that they do is very vulnerable writing. It's, it's, it's writing about themselves. I try to make sense of the world with them. You know, I try to uh, get to know them. I try to, as much as possible, give them a language and give them a vocabulary so that way they understand that the violences that they are facing, you know, are, are natural, right? You know, but they're man-made. They're made by politicians who make certain policies, you know, that make life harder for certain people and easier for others. I suppose that words timely and arranged in the right order produce an afterglow. When you read words like that in a book, beautiful words, a powerful but fleeting emotion ensues. And you also know that soon, it'll all be gone. The concept you just grasped and the emotion it produced. Then comes the need to possess that strange, ephemeral afterglow and to hold on to that emotion. So you reread, underline, and perhaps even memorize and transcribe the words somewhere, in a notebook, on a napkin, on your hand, Valeria Luceli, The Lost Children Archive. A lot of the work that I do, the books that I choose, um, are always imbued with uh, social reality or social justice because I, I come from, you know, an organizing background. I try as much as possible that in their rehumanization, they go in touch with a vulnerability and turn that vulnerability into something that's powerful, not something that's negative or being, you know, socially handicapped or, or, or how can I better put it? That they, that they understand that, like, you know, from struggle comes beauty as well from struggling all, all your life then that's what gives meaning to your life you know and the little victories that they achieve then you know become monumental what direct action can people take to affect change in their lives uh, I think I think everybody can um, can do what they can do I would like people to just um, really be mindful it's hard for me because I know that I used to be a lot more involved and I used to take a lot more direct action and I used to be in organizations and I used to be a protest 
And um, I used to just do so much organizing. And now that uh, the demands of holding a, a household, um, being a mother, having a, a, a uh, full-time job as an educator really has, 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 has taken priority in my life. And, and so it's really hard for me to like tell people, you know, what they can do. But I think everybody knows their own capacity. At the minimal, since Audre Lorde says that the personal is, is political, right? You know, personalize as much as possible, um, educating um, others about what is going on. I mean, teach your own children, you know, teach your own children the truth. I think that's overlooked. That's one of the reasons probably why I think Valeria Lucegui's work really drew me in. I was in activist circles and, and, and I found sometimes myself within activist circles, sometimes being burned out and or finding sometimes that, you know, there's contradiction in activist circles, right? You know, and, and that sometimes there was misogyny there, or sometimes there was uh, classism there, or sometimes there was finger pointing there, right? And so I think that the best activist is the one that actually teaches their own children, you know, what is right, you know, being on the right side of history. I think this moment where my son is at, it has, it's really rewarding because um, him and his son one day came to me and said, do you have Gloria and Saldua's Borderlands La Frontera? And he's uh, an eighth grader. And I was like, that's a really tough book. Are you sure you can read that? And so then I just gave him um, a book on the Panthers, Panther Baby. And then after that, he read um, a Lakota Woman by Mary Curl Dog about the American Indian movement in the 70s. And then so he eats all of a sudden his own became kind of hooked on these uh biographic tales about justice seekers and he just finished Malcolm X and you know we have conversations about Malcolm X and this is a 13 year old boy and, and and for me that's just a lot more fulfilling than it's it's not more it's just fulfilling in a very different manner because I think then that means that his life will be committed to this is there anything else that you'd like to add um let me see if I'm missing anything, I think just read, 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 you know, um, raising consciousness, you know, doesn't come out of like, you know, from a vacuum, right? It comes from exposure, uh, you know, and then also your heart. I think listen to your heart more so than the brain, more so than, you know, making the money, right? Hi, everyone. My name is America and I'm currently teaching Chicana, Chicano, Chicanx studies at San Diego City College. I currently live in what is so-called San Diego, but is occupied and unceded Kumeyaay territory. I am the granddaughter of my abuelita, who was a tobacco farm worker in the fields of Nayarit, and the daughter of two immigrant parents that crossed multiple borders because of the inequities and poverty, poor living conditions that they were facing. Upon Arriving here to um, San Diego, my parents were also undocumented for some years. So that's a little bit of what has brought me here and what has shaped my trajectory up until this point. No one looks at the bigger map, historical and geographical, of a refugee's population migration routes. Most people think of refugees and migrants as a foreign problem. Few conceive of migration simply as a national reality. Valeria Luceli the Lost Children Archive. Definitely grounded by and inspired by the strong women in my life. I was raised by my grandmother and my mother who were both the tobacco farm workers in Nayari. And growing up, I watched my mom um, go through different working class jobs and she cleaned houses here in San Diego for wealthier families uh, to care of their children. 
And so just kind of growing up, seeing how they're being exploited, like mentally and physically, and just kind of just tired. And I remember my mom kind of coming back home from work and uh, venting about her job. But she she was telling me that she had to keep her head down because she didn't want to cause any trouble. And so kind of just seeing my family and hearing um, how they were being affected and treated as disposable is something that really stood out to me. And it really ignited that like passion for something different and and change. And that definitely inspired me to continue to learn and to become involved. You know, as a student, I was interested and joined different organizations and internships. So that was like really my starting point. I got the chance to uh, work with incarcerated youth in LA and uh, the Clean Car Wash campaign in, in Los Angeles, who were majority immigrant and undocumented in-home uh, health care workers in San Francisco, who were mainly women of color, working class. I've also gotten the opportunity to work here in San Diego just to uh, organize alongside um, low-income, working-class families and also immigrants affected by racist, violent immigration policies, and so tracing that to my roots and my family and also trying to be a part of change um, in the ways that I can. Shortly after the unaccompanied child migrant crisis was declared in the United States and after a meeting between President Barack Obama and Enrique Peña Nieto, the Mexican government introduced a new anti-immigration plan, the Programa Frontera Sur. The objective of the program, which was granted an initial budget of 102 million pesos from federal funds, was to halt the immigration of Central Americans through Mexico. Valeria Luceli, tell me how it ends. Currently, within my capacity at San Diego City College, you know, I really, I'm really excited that I get the chance to, you know, organize alongside my colleagues, uh, friends, and students from across the San Diego City College District. And so we're we're currently working around two issues, which are to one, uh, reallocate the resources and funds that are currently spent on the San Diego City College District Campus Police, which is a total of eight million dollars, and to redirect those to student resources that help with their well, well-being and basic necessities. And the other has been the efforts um, trying to mobilize and institutionalize our Dreamer Resource Centers on campuses and to have permanent and full-time counselors. And so um, we have presented our statements to the district as a way to apply pressure. And we're still trying to figure out our different ways that we're going to continue this work. All I know is that we, we will definitely not stop. We uh, have also organized um, different political education series, um, and this is to raise consciousness uh, about these issues within our communities. To justify Programa Frontera Sur, the Mexican government maintains that Mexico must protect the, quote, safety and rights of migrants. But the reality is something else entirely. In fact, since the program was implemented, the safety of immigrants has been compromised to an even greater extent their lives put in a much more vulnerable situation. Valeria Luceli, tell me how it ends. On a personal level and as an educator, it is so important to ask these larger questions that Valeria Luceli is pointing us to. And when we 
do this, we're able to, to name, identify, and interrogate power and see its impacts. And this is an opening to, to mobilize, to address larger structural inequities, and most importantly, to center the humanity of those most impacted. You know, the passage also reminds me of the very first line in Warsaw Shire's poem called Home, where in it she writes, no one leaves home unless home is in the mouth of a shark. And we know that mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, and children, and their loved ones are being displaced and seeking refuge because of U.S. imperialist capitalist war machine. And I think it's important to understand the context in which we are seeing folks migrate and why they're seeking refuge. Anti-immigrant strategies included in the program mostly to be implemented along the routes of La Bestia include drones, security cameras and control centers in strategic locations, trains, tunnels, bridges, railway crossings and city centers, fences and floodlights in the rail yards, private security teams and geolocation technology and trains, alarm systems and motion detectors on the tracks, and last but not least, the notorious Grupos Veta, which under the guise of a humanitarian aid organization locates and then reports migrants to immigration officials who then, quote, secure them, a Mexican euphemism for, quote, capture and deport. Programa Frontera Sur is the Mexican government's new augmented reality video game. The player who hunts down the most migrants wins. Valeria Luceli, tell me how it ends. What would you like to see change? In, in terms of this question, I think this question is a loaded question and it brings up a lot for me. And it also makes me think about the question that, you know, my loved ones, my friends and my, my comrades and my students have for each other, which is what does justice and liberation look like for all of us? And essentially, like what changes demands can we imagine for our communities to live easier and safer? And for me, just understanding that historically our communities have been and are currently resisting and imagining proposing alternatives to the status quo. And so for me, liberation and change means the repatriation of all indigenous land. It means when our trans and non-gender conforming communities can fully live life without being subjected to violence. It means Black life matters. Um, it means that Black and Latinx aren't confined to prisons or death when immigrants and refugees are not criminalized and when marginalized communities aren't deemed as disposable. And there's so much more, but this question really calls on us to, to dream and to put into practice what we want to see in our communities. Um, and I know that liberation is not something that we all of a sudden arrive to or it, it's outside of ourselves, but it's something that we practice and build every day um, in the relationships that we have. What direct actions can people take to affect change in their lives, whether it be career direction or activism, personal choices, et cetera? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I think that in order to build power, to improve our conditions and fight against this white supremacist, capitalist, racist system, you know, solidarity is key. Joining a community organization uh, is a great start. And, you know, we're in a place where we have seen time and time again, 
both historically and presently, that, that this same system that we have today is not and will not and cannot create the solutions that are needed for our communities. And so really organizing and being part of these collective spaces is really important. You know, my sister recently said that organizing is building your crew to get the goods, right? So kind of sharing this space with folks and trying to create um, alternatives. And I also think about Miriam Cabas, who's a fierce organizer and educator and I think about her quote and she says, your responsibility is not just to yourself. You are connected to everyone. And I think about that a lot. When I think about this, I also think about just tapping into your strengths. And I know I've mentioned this before and I, and I say this to my students too. Uh, we really need everyone and we need everybody's skills in this movement. Thanks to our guests, Rosian Hela Escamilla and America Martinez. Also, major thanks to Eddie Chavez for providing narration. If you'd like to find out more about the Books for Good Trouble program or access any of the works mentioned in this episode, please see our show notes or visit us at www.sandiego.gov forward slash SDPL podcast.
This project is supported by the U.S. Institute of Museum and Library Services under the provisions of the Library Services and Technology Act, administered in California by the state librarian.